So, uh, still morning. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, it's great to be with you all this morning again. And uh, my name's Steve. In case you haven't come across me yet, um, I'm associate vicar here at St John's. And uh, yeah, over the past few weeks, if you've been with us, you'll know we've been working our way through some readings from the Book of Acts, and we've been exploring what the Christian life might look like in light of the resurrection. So following Easter, what might a Christian look like, life look like in light of the resurrection? Hopefully, we are a people here who value the death and resurrection of Jesus. And um, this morning, uh, we're going to be focusing on, uh, well, on, on Thursday just gone, does everyone know what day that was? What day is that in the church's calendar? Ascension, right, okay, good. Okay, now Ascension Day is that day, of course, uh, where Jesus, we've, we've had all that celebration at Easter, haven't we? Uh, he's gone to the cross. He's died for us there. He's been risen again to new life. And then for the in-between 40 days, which is what it's been since Easter now, He's, uh, he's doing all sorts of things, meeting with people, appearing to people. Then he ascends into heaven, where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So it's that moment where the heavens open and the Lord Jesus ascends uh, to be with his Father again. And I'm just checking what time we're on. You know, we're just going to get straight into it. I'm just going to read uh, from Acts chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles there. We're at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start from verse 1. So maybe this is where we should have started, but uh, we waited till now. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to, te to, uh, to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks indeed be to God. Um, the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy is still one of the greatest, isn't it? It's still one of the greatest, isn't it? Come on! Right. You've got the Fellowship of the Ring. You've got the Two Towers. And you've got the Return of the King. Can you imagine, for a moment, watching the first two, really loving them, being a big fan, and then not bothering to watch the final one? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I don't understand that. And I don't think it's understandable for a Christian to concentrate on the cross, the resurrection, and then <laughs> forget the third installment. The third in the trilogy is just as important. The trilogy I'm referring to is, of course, a death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. We have uh, the cross with the resurrection. Jesus uh, dies a gruesome death on the Friday. He rises again on the Sunday. And then what? Well, I want to share three main points uh, from the third in the trilogy. Three plot spoilers, if you like, um, today. And the first is this. What can we learn from the ascension? Firstly, Jesus is alive. Okay, and you heard that sale a lot, don't you? Jesus is alive. He's alive. Yeah, he's alive. Okay, but yeah, Jesus is alive, like right now. Jesus is alive. He appears uh, to the two Marys and the apostles, and he gives them uh, the Great Commission, after the resurrection, that is. He appears to Cleopas and another guy on the road to Emmaus, if you remember that one, if you're familiar with that one. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to James. He appeared to Thomas, who wanted to see that Jesus uh, was alive for himself, and he wanted to put his, ha his fingers into the, the holes on his hands and his feet. Do you remember that? He appeared to 500 people at the same time. Jesus wanted people to know he is alive. Uh, over a period of 40 days, he went around offering proof that he was alive, not because he was showing off, <laughs> but because it was important. It's part of, and always has been, part of the plan that he's bringing all of us in on, if we'll be a part of it. It's a part of God's plan for us, God's intended plan for each and every one of you. That's why the ascension is important here. And the reason that he wants us to know that he is alive is explained by Paul, I think, in 1 Corinthians 15 quite well, where uh, some people in Corinth uh, that Paul's writing to um, They'd been going around, they'd been saying that there's no resurrection. There's no resurrection from the dead. In fact, just on a side note, some people <laughs> genuinely 
believe a lot of Christian stuff about the Christian faith, but don't actually believe Jesus died and rose again. For example, I remember um, a few years ago, I was, a, uh, I was taking a service on a Sunday in a church, and there was a member of the congregation. Um, this is fairly anonymous, by the way, so hopefully nobody would know who this was. There's no one here, and there's no one in this town, so don't worry about that. <coughs> but um, uh, and, and they said, of course, you know, uh, Jesus didn't actually die, did he, and rise again? I was, oh, okay, what, what do you mean by that? I said, well, of course, in G- Jesus went to India, where he learned deep meditation techniques, and he slowed his heart rate down so much that when they felt his pulse, they thought he was dead. I thought, oh, okay, fine. So people find all sorts of different ways to avoid that Jesus died and rose again, Okay. But Paul here in 1 Corinthians explains why it's important. But, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, it's the important bit, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So what Paul is saying is, if that's not true, we might as well all go home now. There's no point in us even being here this morning. Okay. You see, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then neither will we be. And this is the important thing about ascension. But it's just because of that fact that Jesus was raised from the dead that it's made possible that we can be raised with him. And Paul does go on to say in that same chapter, for since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And this is what it's all about, isn't it? Jesus rises to new life, not just for the sake of it, but so that we can also go through death and be raised to new life with him. And as we sit here as sinners, we follow Jesus, and if we want to follow him, put our trust in him, follow him through death, we'll be raised to new life as well with him. And the great thing is this, that it doesn't just stop there, that actually where he is will be also. So we follow him also through death into resurrection and then into glorious ascension to be with him in his kingdom at his father's side. There's a great psalm, Psalm 24. Dave read from it earlier, actually. You just reminded me of it this morning, Dave. But the question that's put in the psalm is, um, who may ascend the hill of the Lord. That's the question. Who can enter through those ancient gates? And the answer comes back during the psalm that it's only one person. is the King of glory. And because the King of glory, Jesus Christ, is able to enter through those gates and ascend the hill of the Lord, we can go with him. Okay. So that's what Jesus wants us to know, that Jesus is alive and after death, you can be alive with him. So that's the first thing. Jesus is alive. The second thing we can learn from ascension is that 
Jesus hasn't abandoned us. I think there's two parts to this. First of all, as we read in our reading, he leaves his spirit. Verses 4 and 5 there. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking about this fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, which we see at Pentecost. We're going to be thinking about that next week. Um, So Jesus leaves us. He goes away, but he doesn't abandon us. He promises to stay with us. It's difficult to think about an adequate way to explain that, but maybe it's a bit like if a family member goes away to live in Australia or something like that. Um, and you never hear from them again, okay? Well, Jesus hasn't done that. It's maybe a little bit more like Jesus has gone away to live in Australia, but you keep in touch with them every day. You're on FaceTime, you're on Skype, you're on Zoom, or whatever you're doing. It's a bit more like that, isn't it? He hasn't abandoned us. He's left his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, who keeps us connected with him. But one day, it will actually be better than it is now. Because one day, when he comes back again, we actually see him face to face and we can hug him. That's obviously better than Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and all of that stuff, right? But for now, we're still in touch. He hasn't abandoned us. I think the second part to this that Jesus hasn't abandoned us is that he keeps his humanity which is a really important thing in the resurrection right Jesus keeps his humanity remember when Jesus um, joined us when he was born of Mary back at Christmas that sounds like a long time ago now doesn't it we're thinking about all of that stuff the incarnation He was born of Mary so you might think (coughs) that God the eternal son in his in his eternal life he's with his father his father's right hand he has been there for eternity enjoying that with the holy spirit so you might think that once he's sort of come down he's born of mary he's died he's been resurrected and then he's like man i can't wait to get out of this body i just can't wait to get out of this body get back to the good old days when i was just hanging out with the father in eternity um reminds me a little bit of when I used to play five-a-side, um, where I previously lived, um, the guy, Carl, who used to run the, the, the five-a-side team, he used to bring these bibs, and he never washed them. He never washed them, and they just stank. Do you know what I mean? Like, week and week and week, all that sweat and everything, a few thumbs up from the, some of the guys there. <laughs> they know what it's like, and they just smell. They end up smelling a bit of fish, and, like, you know, it's just not very nice. And at the end of that, You just can't wait to get it off. You can't wait to get out of it. And you'd imagine that maybe Jesus, God, the eternal son, might feel a little bit like that with the human body. But the important thing is that even after his death, even after his resurrection, he says, no, I'm going to maintain my humanity. I'm going to be ascended. I'm going to go and be back with my father in heaven. But I'm going to be in my physical human body, which is why he ascends in that. Um, 
We read about that in verse 9 there, don't we? After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from sight. He didn't just vanish in a puff of smoke or something or sort of transform into some gaseous substance and float away. Keeps his physical, human body. So the thing we know is that right now, there's a human being at the right hand of the Father advocating for you. And what it shows us is our future. Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead, the first fruits of the new creation. He's gone to be with his Father and he shows us what our future is, a physical future. It's wonderful. So that's the second thing. And then just thirdly and finally, so we've had that Jesus, uh, he wants us to know that he is alive. He wants us to know he hasn't abandoned us. And third and finally, he wants us to know, he wants you to know that you have a future, that you have a future. Um, the I think, you know, one of the biggest fears that people have um, is death, isn't it? And some of us think about it more (laughs) than others. Some of us put it way to the back of our minds. But some of us get really caught up in it. We struggle with it. We worry about our health. We might worry about... um, uh, what, what what happens when we die. What happens after we die? Is it just blackness? Is that just the end? Does that make life pointless? Does that mean that everything I'm doing right now just has no meaning? Those are the sorts of questions that people really struggle with. But of course, what we learn in the Ascension is that, well, certainly after the resurrection, we learn, no, there's future after death. But actually that that future is glorious, we learn at the Ascension, because we end up with the Father. If you've watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, sorry, I'm going to go back to that. Is anyone else actually like Lord of the Rings? (laughs) Okay, good. That's good. Maybe you're more book people. Do you like the books? Who prefers the books? Who prefers the movies? Who doesn't care? Okay, June. Anyway, you know, so say, we go back to the, so Lord of the Rings, say there was going to be, years later, a fourth installment. It's always bad news when they do that, isn't it? Indiana Jones 4, The Crystal Skull. Should have just left it. But um, say there was going to be a fourth installment. It's already been announced. The release date is unknown. They've given us some spoilers. We know some of the main plot line. How excited would you be? In all of this, though, you do have to imagine that you actually like Lord of the Rings. Um, Otherwise, it doesn't work. So how excited would you be? Well, that's what's happening here, isn't it? Because Acts 1, verse 10, they were standing around watching Jesus ascend into heaven And we read this. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, 
Why do you understand? Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that he's gone into heaven. You see, Jesus went to the cross, he beat death, he rose again, he ascended into heaven where he is right now, and still, after all that and all the thousands of years, still the story hasn't ended. Your story hasn't ended because he will return again. And we can read about that a lot in the book of Revelation, if you've ever managed to wade through that, where we get huge hints and descriptions of the events that will play out when he returns. But in short, Jesus is coming back. It's not the end of the story. And when he does, he's going to gather up all his disciples. He's going to gather up all of his followers, all those who faithfully trust in him, all those who have, um, who have long since passed. He's going to gather them up into himself. He's going to make the whole world new again. Absolutely perfect. And then we're going to live here with him forever and everything else will be cast out all the evil all the bad stuff all the darkness will be gone sometimes people might plan like a five-year plan do you know you've heard that yeah that's like that was quite fashionable a few years ago i'm gonna do my five-year plan what's your five i've got a five-year plan i've got a five-year plan well that's okay and you can do a five-year plan. I always wonder what happens after your five-year plan. Do you do another five-year plan? Okay, so you do your five-year plan. You can still do that. But at some point, there will be no more five years. There will be no more five years. There will only be Jesus' plan. Because his future is the only one that is, in, that is on offer long-term. It's the only long-term plan in the entire universe. It's Jesus' plans. All of our plans are quite short-term, really. There's no other hope than in him. So, just to sum this up, maybe the band are going to come up and lead us in worship again. Um, but just to sum this up, Jesus is alive, isn't he? Jesus is alive right now. He's not just alive, you know, after the resurrection. He's alive right now, 2,000 years later, in his human body. Jesus is alive. He hasn't abandoned you. And in Jesus, you are offered a marvelous future. He's the great hope of the ages, Jesus Christ, the desire of all nations. The only pathway through death and into eternal life. So what does your future look like? Our vision of the future so often affects our present, doesn't it? How we see where we're going affects what we do now. And I guess that's the point of the five-year plan, right? Setting out where we want to be because it 
affects what we're doing now. Lifting our eyes to the horizon and seeing the path in its fullness that Jesus has trodden and set before us, following him through death and into life and into a glorious eternal future, that will, that will, that will have an impact on how we spend our time here and now. We want to be that people, don't we? Just finally, who live in light of the death of the resurrection and of the ascension of Jesus in its fullness, that tr path that he's trodden. Should we stand together? Um, we're going to sing now, but I'm going to pray before we do. So let's stand. Father, we, um, we're just in awe as we stand here now of that great and marvelous plan that was set forth before the creation of the world. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, Lord. But ever since then, since eternity passed, there was this plan set forth to bring us into full union with you through your son and Lord what we what we ask this morning as we stand here before you is that however little our faith is whether it's really great at the moment or or whether it's as small as a mustard seed or even smaller than that we pray you take that this morning. We offer that to you, whatever we've got. And Lord, we pray that now by your Spirit, as we sing in response to what we've heard, that you would grow something inside of us. You'd give us a conviction. You'd give us knowledge that's deep down of you. whether we're in a bad place at the moment or a really good place we pray you'd meet us where we are Lord that you bring this whole thing to life for us again this morning that we'd know of that great and glorious future that's found in you and that we can grab hold of that with both hands in Jesus name Amen